Hi, I'm Evangelist Donald Perkins, and I'm uh, standing in today for Tom. Uh, you're watching Hope for Our Times. And again, it's an honor and a privilege uh, to be with you. I'm looking forward to our time together. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit unusual. Uh, I'm going to deal with uh, question and answers in Bible prophecy. Now, you, you may say, well, Brother Perkins, how are we going to give you questions? Well, these are questions that we have received from around the country and even questions uh, from the last time that I was here interviewing uh, with Tom. So we call it question and answers uh, in Bible prophecy. Now I want to bring in our Bible prophecy chart. And I want you to see this little chart here because what we're going to do, I'm going to use this chart here to answer some of the questions uh, that I'm going to be dealing with. So we're going to cover a number of things and I hope, uh, you know, hope you like it. Uh, we believe in God for a wonderful, wonderful time. Now to start it off, I want to quote from the book, Understanding Bible Prophecy by, by the late Dr. Tim LaHaye. And listen to what he says in regards to uh, Bible prophecy. He says, this is not the time in history to avoid the study of future things. We, uh, if we avoid teaching Christians about the basics of Bible prophecy, they will be tossed to and fro by false teachers who come, come to them with cunningly devised fables and interpretations that will deceive them. Christians need to know more about Bible prophecy, not less so that they can be armed with the truth and defend themselves against erroneous teachings. And you know, I really like that quote because, uh, you know, a lot of people have a lot of questions about, about the end times and uh, they just don't know. But we as believers, if we spend time in God's Word, uh, God will give us understanding uh, to help us. And, you know, as I've been traveling and teaching, you know, I travel across the country. Uh, uh, now it's been about 39 years of study and teaching God's prophetic Word. And I've gotten a lot of questions over the times. And again, questions are good uh, if we have answers for them. So I want to quote another verse for you here. It's found here in the book of James. James chapter 1. I love this passage here. James 1 verse 5. James wrote, he says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God that give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. Listen, if you, want, if you have questions about Bible prophecy or questions about the Bible, simply ask God. And if you ask the Lord, the Lord will open your understanding. He will give you understanding regarding his word and regarding Bible prophecy. You know, when I first started studying, you know, and I, I must say I had a lot of questions. I still have questions. I'm, I'm forever a student. And I, I've asked the Lord to give me some, some clear understanding in scriptures. And he began to open the word of God to me. I want to give another passage here as we begin to set up for the question and answer time. Uh, I love this, this, this passage here in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 15. Peter wrote this. He said, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. Uh, I love this and I believe that this is a commission to every believer, every Christian. If you're born again, if you've been saved for a time, uh, you need to be ready, armed to answer questions. You know, we're living in the end times for sure with all of the, uh, the, the signs that are coming to pass before our very eyes, you know, and people have questions. You have people on your job, co-workers, friends, family members, they want to know what's going on. You know, since this COVID-19 situation, this pandemic, uh, this pestilent is truly a sign of the time. I've had a lot of uh, people call me and they call our office, uh, Brother Perkins, uh, how does this fit into the end times? Can you help me? What's going on? And I began to give them answers based on scripture. And truly, uh, we're living in some amazing times uh, right now. Now, 
I want to give you another verse as we set up for the Q&A part. Uh, Jesus talking in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 29. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. In other words, Jesus said, you go into error when you don't know what the Scripture teach. You go into error when you don't understand what the Scriptures teach. So we must be students of the Scripture. We must be students of the Word of God. And as we spend time in God's Word, God will give us understanding. Uh, he'll give us, uh, uh, again, just He'll help us in these times. So uh, as I travel, uh, and I'm in all kind of meetings, you know, I get all kind of questions. So what I want to do here, uh, which is a little different from, from, your, from your other programming, but what I want to do, I want to answer some of the frequently asked questions that we receive. And these are some questions that I've received from around the country. Uh, this first question I want to bring into the screen, will there be peace in Israel with the new UAE peace deal? Uh, I believe that there will not be peace uh, in the Middle East. Uh, as a matter of fact, we know based on Scripture what the Bible has to say uh, in regards to it. But what I want to do, I want to quote from the, uh, from the New York Times. Uh, this is August 13th in regards to this new peace deal uh, that our president just agreed with, with the uh, United Arab uh, Emirates. Uh, let, me, let me read the article. It says, President Trump announced that Israel and the United Arab uh, Emirates would establish full, uh, no, uh, full uh, norm normalization of relations, and that in exchange Israel would forego uh, for now uh, uh, declaring sovereignty over, <clears throat> over uh, occupied uh, West Bank territories. President Trump said uh, the deal between the United Arab Emirates uh, and Israel would normalize uh, uh, diplomatic relations and begin cooperation in areas such as security, trade, uh, and tourism. Israel and the United Arab Emirates uh, reached a landmark accord uh, sealed by President Trump on Thursday that could foreshadow a broader realignment in the region as the two agreed uh, to full normalization of relationship in exchange for Israel's uh, suspending uh, uh, annex, uh, annex, ex, annex, ag, annexing um, of the occupied West Bank uh, territory. In other words, you know, Israel, you know, they have been, uh, they have been, uh, you know, uh, annexing uh, different parts of the West Bank, you know, as their land, which I believe it is truly all of their land. Uh, but, you know, we have a time now where people want to bring peace to the region. Now, I, I do appreciate what President Trump has done in regards to Israel uh, by declaring uh, Israel, uh, I mean, Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Uh, not only that, but the United States recognizing that. I mean, that is so good. I'm really grateful for that. But uh, I must say uh, that uh, our president cannot bring peace to the region. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to give you some verses in a few minutes to let you know that peace will only happen as a result of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. But what I want to do here, uh, I want to bring it to the screen some past fail peace attempts by presidents of old. And every one of them, uh, I call these particular peace uh, treaties uh, photo ops with our presidents. Uh, none of them have actually resulted in peace in the region. So I'm going to bring the first one. Look, look at this first one here. This is, uh, this is uh, September 1978. Uh, here we have uh, uh, Anwar Sadat. We have uh, President Carter and Menachem Begin, which was the Prime Minister of Israel at that time. Uh, they signed that peace treaty, but guess what? It didn't happen. Peace 
peace did not come to the region. Uh, it was a temporary peace. And we'll see too, as each one of these peace treaties was signed, there was, uh, 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 you know, before the ink dried, you know, something happened to violate the peace treaty. Let me give you another, look at this next one here. This is uh, September uh, 1993. Uh, here we have President uh, Clinton, we have Arafat, and then we have uh, Rabin. He was the prime minister at that time. He also signed a peace treaty, a peace agreement, Again, it didn't work, it didn't happen. Uh, again, before the ink dries, something happened. Uh, again, these are all failed attempts of U.S. presidents to bring peace to the region. Uh, look at this next one here. This was July 2000. Here we have Ehud Barak, the Prime Minister of Israel at the time. We have uh, President Clinton. Uh, and then again, uh, Yasser Arafat. He was the, again, the Palestinian leader. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, when, when this situation happened under a new Prime Minister, uh, uh, Arafat actually walked away from the table. Uh, Ehud Barak was willing to give uh, Arafat everything that he wanted, and Arafat walked away from the table, and Bill Clinton threw his hands up, I'm done, you know. Uh, again, all failed attempts to bring peace to the region. Let me give you another, look at this next one here. This is June 4th, 2003. Here now we have uh, President George Bush, we have uh, Abbas, which was the new Israel, I mean, the new Palestinian leader, and then uh, Ariel Sharon. He was the prime minister of Israel at the time. Again, they signed another agreement, but guess what? It didn't work. Again, it failed attempts. It, it, it always happens this way. Now, let me give you another. Look at this next one here. This is November, no, uh, November 27th. Uh, here we have, uh, again, President Bush, we have Abbas, the uh, PLO leader, and then we have Omar, who was a prime minister at the time. And again, another failed attempt. Now you say, Brother Perkins, you, 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 you know, you're giving us all of this. Uh, why? I'm showing you that God is not going to allow uh, man to bring peace to the region outside of what the scripture says. Uh, I got to give you one more, one more episode here. Uh, look at the screen. This is uh, September. Uh, 2009, we have Netanyahu, we have the, the, the former President Barack Obama, and then we have uh, Abbas again, the, the uh, Palestinian leader. Here again, another failed attempt at peace. So there will be no peace in the region outside of the Savior Jesus Christ. You know, uh, what, what this reminds me of, it reminds me of a passage found in Zechariah. This is a prophecy in Zechariah chapter 12, verses two and three. Uh, let me read this to you. Uh, Zechariah two and three, uh, the prophet wrote, he said, God says, behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about when they shall be in siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day, God says, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all the people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. Now, this is an amazing prophecy, but this prophecy tells me that God is going to make Jerusalem, He's going to make Israel a, a cup of trembling to the world. You know, the unstableness of the region is by God's design. That unstableness, that the unstableness of the of the of Israel, of Jerusalem, is by God's design. There will only be one man that God uh, uh, has ordained that's going to bring peace to the region, and that is His Son Jesus Christ. None other. Uh, the Scripture says that He will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone. It's going, Jerusalem will be a burden to the world. The nation of Israel will be a burden to the world. You know, people uh, they say today, you know, if I can only, if we can only stabilize Israel. If we can just bring peace to the region, that 
there'll be peace in the world. Well, guess what, my friend? That won't happen outside of Jesus Christ. So in light of that, I want to give you another verse here. Uh, here's a prophecy that I believe that's going to bring peace to the region. And this is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. I want to read it for you here. Uh, Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, uh, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon the, his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. Listen at this, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is the only time I believe that the, that the land of Israel, that the capital of Jerusalem will experience a lasting peace. We know that this will not happen until the time of the, of the millennial kingdom when Jesus actually sits on the throne of his father, David. And again, at that time, there will be peace in the land. You know, God is not going to allow mankind or no, no man to bring peace outside of his son. Uh, if we do, it's just failed attempts, you know, to bring peace. Uh, it's, a, it's a good try, uh, but peace will not happen without, you know, without Jesus. And again, uh, we're going to see that now. I want to go further in our little time together. And what I want to do, uh, I want to begin to just deal with some questions that I get. As a matter of fact, uh, the last time I was here, uh, we got a lot of questions in regards to some statements that Tom and I made, uh, really what I made in reference to the Millennial Kingdom. So what I want to do here, I want to look at what are, what are the living conditions of the Millennium? Uh, I've shared before that uh, I believe the millennial kingdom is a precursor to the eternal state. In, in other words, God is going to use the millennial kingdom as a, as a type of what, of what the eternal state is going to look like. Although during the millennial kingdom, God is not totally uh, dealt with sin yet because sin will still be prevalent. Uh, in the millennial kingdom, you still have sinners there being born during that time. But God's going to change uh, the nature of the, of the world at that time. Uh, Jesus Christ, our Savior, will literally come in. Uh, he's coming in uh, during the second coming. He's going to set up his government in the earth. But he's going to change the living conditions uh, of the world. And then one of, one of the statements that I made, and I tell you what, let's bring my chart in. I'm bringing the chart in. And I just want to show you now, we're, we're currently here in the church age. Uh, we're waiting for the time of the rapture. And then after the, the rapture, they have the tribulation period. Then we have this time I'm talking about now, the millennial reign of Christ. So what will be the living conditions of this millennial kingdom? What, what's going what's to change? Well, again, Christ will set up his government. Uh, he's going to change the nature of the beast. And I'm going to give you some verses here in a few minutes that's going to look at it. Uh, but uh, the Bible talks about during that time, uh, the saints will come back with Christ uh, during the second coming. And the scripture lets us know that during the millennial kingdom, we're going to literally rule and reign with Jesus. All of us that are born again, that have come back in the second coming, we're going to literally rule and reign with Christ. Uh, it's going to be, uh, again, an amazing time. And uh, so let me do this. I'm going to give you a few verses here talking about uh, the, uh, uh, the saints reigning with Christ during the millennial kingdom. Uh, I'm going to give you a verse here first in Revelation chapter 2, verses uh, 26 and 27. This is a promise that Jesus has given to the church. He said, if you overcome, I would do this or that. Well, this is one of the promises uh, that Jesus has, has given to the church. He said in verse 26, he says, and he that overcometh 
and keepeth my works until the end, Jesus said, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Now this term, we know that this term is attributed to Christ as well, ruling with a rod of iron, we know that. But not only will Christ rule with that rod of iron, but he will also give that authority to every believer that is glorified who will go into the millennial kingdom with him. Uh, those that come back with Christ in the second coming, we will be glorified saints, and what's gonna happen, he will spread us throughout the whole world to help Christ rule and reign during that time. Let me give you another verse here. This is uh, uh, Revelation chapter 5, verse number 10, John wrote, And thou uh, hast made unto us kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Here, this is a, a promise here. The scripture is saying that the saints will rule and reign with Christ. So we're going to be in a, a, a ruling capacity as the glorified saints with Christ uh, during that time. And again, uh, uh, it's going to be an amazing uh, time during that millennial kingdom. So let me give you one more verse here. This is found in Revelation chapter 20. And before I read the text, I want to give you a little more, little more understanding about what I'm about to read. Uh, what's going to happen during the tribulation, uh, now this is after the church has been raptured, you're going to have many people who will come to Christ during the, millennial, during the tribulation. And what's going to happen, these people uh, during the tribulation that are born again, Again, many of them will die for their faith. Uh, they will die at the hands of the Antichrist. And what's going to happen then as Antichrist uh, take their life, they become uh, Christian martyrs. Uh, the Bible lets us know that prior to the millennial kingdom beginning, those uh, souls who have died in the tribulation for their faith, God's going to resurrect them and they will be glorified just like the rapture saints who are raptured before uh, the tribulation begin. So those that are resurrected prior to the millennial kingdom, they will also reign with us as well. So let me give you the verse here. Revelation chapter 20, verse number four. Look at this. Verse four, he says, and which had not worshiped the image. Talking about these people, they didn't worship the Antichrist or his beast, uh, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Again, these are uh, born-again believers who got saved during the tribulation, who died for their faith, prior to the millennium, God's going to resurrect them. John said in the verses before, he said, I saw the dead, those who were beheaded for the testimony. I saw them alive now. And again, he said, they will reign with Christ. So uh, uh, during, the, during the millennium, we, we the saints that are glorified with Christ, we're going to literally rule and reign with him. Now, I'm going to go a little further here because I want to give you a few other things that's going to happen during that uh, time. Uh, <clears throat> I made the statement that during the millennial kingdom, Christ will literally take the, the beast uh, the beast, or the nature of the beast out of the beast. In other words, uh, the lion during the millennial kingdom will not eat flesh during the millennial kingdom. Uh, so I'm gonna give you a verse here, found in the book of uh, Isaiah chapter 65. And again, this is one of those millennial texts. In other words, uh, this verse is gonna show us what's gonna happen during the millennium. God is changing things. It, it will be a precursor to eternity. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 65, verse number 25. Look at this. Scripture says, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and the dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, said the Lord. So during the millennial kingdom, the lion will eat straw like the ox. 
you know, I, I get people talking about all the time, Brother Perkins, we're in the millennium now. I said we cannot be in the millennium now. Uh, one reason we know this particular verse here, because uh, we here, we're based in San Diego, and uh, I go to San Diego Zoo, and I see Leo the lion there, and believe me, he's not eating straw. Uh, that lets me know that we're not in the millennial kingdom yet. When Christ sets up this millennial kingdom, what's going to happen, the Bible is clear. Uh, during that time, the nature of the beast is going to change. The lion will not desire uh, straw, I mean uh, flesh. He will desire straw. Uh, let me give you another verse. Look at this next one. I like this one. This is Isaiah chapter 11, verse number 6. Look what it says. It says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leper shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lions uh, uh, and the fatlings together, uh, and a little child shall lead them. Now here Isaiah, I mean yeah, Isaiah 11, 6 says that the wolf and the lamb shall dwell together. He's changing the nature of the beast. Peace will permeate the millennial kingdom. It's going to be a different time for humanity. And again, it's a precursor to what's going to be like in the new world. But what's amazing here, the, the wolf and the lamb shall be together. Uh, I made a statement earlier uh, in another meeting that uh, to know, you know, we're not in the millennium now because if you put a wolf and a lamb together, you have lamb chops. Uh, during the millennium, you won't have that because the peace of Christ will literally permeate the entire world. The Bible talks about a little child will be able to lead these animals. It's going to be beautiful. Uh, the lion and the calf uh, shall, uh, uh, shall feed together. It's going to be amazing. Again, these are different things that will literally take place uh, during the Millennial Kingdom. Now, I want to give you another living condition that's going to change during the Millennial Kingdom. And what's going to happen, uh, we're going to see here in a few minutes that, that ma mankind during the Millennium will live as long as a tree. You know, God will extend long life to those that find themselves in the millennium. There will be millions of people during the millennial kingdom that will live the entire thousand-year reign in the millennial kingdom. Uh, let me give you a verse here. <clears throat> I'm going to give you two verses here, but this first one is found in Isaiah chapter 65, verse number 20. Look what the prophet wrote. He says, There shall be no more in, uh, thence an infant of days, nor an old man that have not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die a uh, hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. Now here, this is, a, this is an amazing text here because letting us know that an old man will fulfill his whole time of living. Uh, anybody that die in the millennium will be the wicked. Now there will be some wicked who will die. But here he says here, for the child shall, shall die a hundred years old. So in other words, a person could die in the millennium at a hundred years old and they considered a child. Uh, what's going to happen during, during, during this millennial kingdom? It's going to be an amazing time. God's going to extend life to mankind. Now you say, Brother Perkins, Christ being here, you mean there, there'll be people in the millennium who will sin? Well, that's absolutely correct. Because what's going to happen coming out of the tribulation season, uh, there will be those uh, that's part of the, of the sheep nations that will be allowed into the millennium. Uh, there will be natural believers who are still marrying and giving in childbearing during the millennial kingdom. Uh, they'll have babies that will literally populate the millennial kingdom, but those children are still born in sin. So mankind, even though, uh, you know, Satan is bound where no temptation is there, mankind will still in the millennial kingdom uh, sin. 
Now, the glorified saints who are coming with Christ and those who are resurrected prior to the millennium, we won't sin. We will be the ruling class to help Christ govern during that time. But you're going to have hundreds of people, millions of people that are born. Uh, even though Christ is here, some will still not want to honor Christ during the millennial kingdom. If they die, they are considered a child at the age of 100. Now, let me give you another verse here. This is Isaiah 65, and I love this one. Isaiah 65, 22. The prophet wrote, They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of the tree are the days of my people, men will live as long as a tree. And my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. The millennium is a precursor to eternity. And you're going to have people that's going to live the full duration of the millennial kingdom uh, if, they, if they're not wicked or get judged by, by Christ or, or those that judge them during that time. They're going to live the full length of the millennial kingdom. Now, <clears throat> I made a statement when I was here last time, and I said in this statement, I said that during the millennial kingdom uh, that I believe that there will still be cars and, and trucks and buses and airplanes and stuff like that. So some people wrote in and said, uh, Pastor Tom, I mean, uh, can you guys give us verses on that? Uh, well, you won't find a verse in the scripture that says that there will be cars and boats and all this stuff. But let me tell you something. See, I think sometimes what we do, we make, we make prophecies sometimes so spiritual that we don't see the practical side of prophecy. And what I mean by that, uh, our future is going to be a tangible, touchable eternity. Uh, I don't believe that in the millennial kingdom we, we, we will go back to donkey riding days. You know what I mean? I don't believe that's going to happen. You know, mankind lives in a world today that's built on the knowledge of the generation before it. Now, you know, that knowledge that we have was knowledge given by God. You know, the car, God allowed man to have that knowledge. That's not evil. The technology of the car is not evil. And I, and I believe that during the Millennial Kingdom, we're going to have the same type of technology, probably even better stuff going into the Millennial Kingdom. But mankind will not go back to, to Bible, Bible days as far as just only riding horses to, to get around. Uh, you know, I, I believe it's going to be a practical eternity. Uh, we'll have houses in the Millennial Kingdom, not only in the Millennium, even in the eternal state. Because Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. You know, a mansion, the Bible says, uh, one of the Greek interpretations of the mansion is dwelling places. We're going to literally have houses in the New Jerusalem. That's a tangible, touchable building. I'm going to have a house, a mansion, a dwelling place in the New Jerusalem. And guess what? My, my, my dwelling place will have a doorknob on it. You can come and open the door to come to my house. See, again, it's practical, tangible and touchable. We make it so spiritual that we don't see the practicality of eternity. And the millennial kingdom, I believe, is just, is just a foretaste of what we're going to see in the millennial kingdom. So, uh, w one of the things that I've used, I guess, to kind of help people understand uh, the, the natural side of uh, the millennium and eternity uh, is to understand what would have happened if Father Adam and Mom Eve had not sinned. You know, if they hadn't sinned and sin had not entered the world, guess what? They would be here today in their home. They would have a gazillion of children now because sin has not entered the earth. That, that was never the will of God. God gave man a chance to choose right, declare, you know, uh, uh, declare God's honor and choose and obey God. But Father Adam and Mom Eve chose to disobey God and therefore it plunged humanity into the sin state that we're in today. And they messed up things. Things, the world became upside down. But you know something? Jesus Christ died on the cross to give us life. He died on the cross to rectify the problem. 
You know, not only did Jesus die at Calvary for humanity, he died to redeem us, but he also died to redeem creation. You remember at the crown, uh, 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 right before, right before he was he was on the cross, uh, they braided a crown of thorns and they planted it into his brow. You know, the crown of thorns was the price that Jesus paid at Calvary to redeem creation. Not only did he redeem humanity, but Christ redeemed creation. All of creation is going to be changed. You know, creation was always the will of God. Guess what? We're going to spend eternity up on a new earth. Yeah, we're not going to spend eternity in the third heaven. We're going to spend eternity up on the new earth. You know, so when I made the statement that I believe we'll have cars and boats and all that stuff, I'm looking at the practical side uh, of eternity, the practical side even of, of, uh, of the millennium. So you won't find a verse in the scripture that says that, but uh, we can look at it from a practical standpoint. Uh, knowledge uh, will increase. We will go further on. We'll learn new things and, and we will grow from there. I really believe that. Uh, I don't believe we'll go back to, to horse and buggy days. Uh, I mean, really to do that is, is going back versus all of, the, all of the progress that God has given man. So uh, that's my two cents uh, on that particular verse. Now, uh, I'm looking at my timer, so I'm going to give you another uh, question that I receive all the time, and I just want to give you some answers. This next question is amazing. Uh, here's a question I receive all the time, different times. Do the dead sleep forever in the graves? Now, there are many out there who teach that when a person dies, uh, that's it. Uh, they go back to the dust of the earth, and, and that's it. Uh, Jehovah's Witness teach that once a person dies, uh, they use a scripture out of Ecclesiastes to say, once you die, that there's no more remembrance of you on the land of the living. Well, that's true. Uh, I mean, if you died centuries ago, I don't know you, and there's no more remembrance of you. I don't know you. But guess what? You do not cease to exist, even though you're dead, nor do you uh, sleep forever. Uh, and I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you a few verses here. Uh, uh, today, when a person die, uh, be a Christian or, or, uh, or an unbeliever, the Bible is quite clear in reference to what happens to them. So uh, we know based on scripture that, that when a Christian die, uh, we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 8, the apostle Paul writing, he said, he said, when we die, he said, when a Christian die, that he is absent from his body or his flesh, we bury the flesh. But what? He's absent from his body, but he's what? Present. He's present in the, in the air. In other words, when a Christian dies today, we bury their flesh, but immediately the spirit and soul of that redeemed person goes into heaven. Uh, scholars call that body an intermediate body, but they go to heaven nonetheless, awaiting the rapture. And what's going to happen with the rapture, when the rapture takes place, and the scripture is clear on that too, at the time of the rapture, the scripture says that the dead in Christ will literally come back with Christ. Uh, the, the Bible says that those who have died will God bring with him. What he's doing, he's bringing the spirit and soul of the redeemed to reunite with their flesh in the earth, and then they will be caught up together. The Bible said the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then we that are alive shall be caught up with them to meet Christ in the air. So the dead in Christ, when they die today, their, their body goes in the earth, but their spirit and soul immediately goes to heaven. Now, what about the unredeemed? What about those people who don't know Christ? Uh, the Bible tells us as well what will happen to them. And we find a good example of this uh, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 16. 
when Jesus gave the account of the rich man and Lazarus. Now we know uh, uh, this was this was before the cross, but here uh, we, we we definitely see a picture of what happens to an unredeemed person. Uh, the Bible says that Lazarus he was taken to Abraham's bosom at the time, but the rich man he was taken to Hades and Sheol. And if we get time, I'll touch a little bit about that. But uh, the rich man he died, he was buried, and in hell. The Bible says he lifted up his eyes in torments. Now his body was in the earth, and we know based on scripture, the Bible says his body was in the earth, but immediately this man knew where he was. He was in Hades and Sheol. Now I want to say one thing uh, here, first of all, uh, this man did not go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he didn't uh, uh, accept God. He didn't obey God. As a matter of fact, when he was talking to Father Abraham, he, he begged him to send Lazarus back uh, from, from this place to, uh, to warn his five brothers because he didn't repent. This man went to hell because he didn't repent, not because he was rich. Uh, you have rich people going to hell as well as poor people going to hell. I mean, people that reject God uh, uh, will go to hell, just point blank. It doesn't matter what, uh, what your status in life is. Uh, the key is your, your choice. So. Uh, when a person died today, if a Christian, immediately the spirit and soul goes to heaven, and then uh, uh, for, for the redeemed that in heaven you are there, you have you're, you you're alive, you have full understanding. Uh, but I want to say one other thing about this: when you when a person's body going to the grave, will they stay in the grave forever? And the answer is no. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Bible is quite, quite, quite clear. So I'm going to give you a verse here. I'm going to give you two verses, all right? I'm going to give you a verse here in the Gospel of John, and this is amazing text here. Jesus is going to give us uh, about, he's, he's going to talk to us about the resurrection. Uh, he's going to show us that there are two classes of resurrection, one for the righteous and a resurrection for the unredeemed. Uh, mankind will not stay forever dead in the earth, be it righteous or unrighteous. So let me give you a verse here. The Gospel of John chapter 5, verse number 28. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves, everybody in the grave, he said, shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life. Now this is for the redeemed. So when a, when a person is, is covered by the blood, he's, he's washed in the blood, he's redeemed, uh, uh, that person will be resurrected unto life or resurrected unto eternal life. But look at the next one. Jesus goes, goes on to say, he says, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Now this is the unredeemed person who died without Christ, who died without a covering, who died without the atonement on his life, this man, he will be resurrected. His spirit and soul will go back into his body, and he will be resurrected to stand before God. Uh, you can read in your Bibles, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. It's called the great white throne judgment. And when you read that text, the Bible says, death and hell or death and Hades shall deliver up the dead which were in them. It even says that the sea shall deliver up the dead which, which is in them. And they're going to stand before God and give an account for their life. So in regards to the dead sleeping forever in the graves, that's, that's not true because it's, it's unbiblical. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the righteous will be resurrected and the unrighteous. So I want to give you one more verse. I got to give you this because I love this one. Uh, this verse here is found in the book of Daniel. And I'm going to give you this one. And it's going to say almost the same thing Jesus just said here. It's going to point out two resurrections. And again, this is just amazing to see. Uh, but look at this. This is uh, Daniel chapter 12. And I'm going to read here in verse number two. Listen what Daniel wrote. 
He said, and many of them that sleep in the dust, shall, uh, uh, sleep in the dust of the earth, shall awake some to everlasting life, that's the redeemed, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's the unredeemed. So in the end, all dead will be resurrected. Jesus said, all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, the righteous as well as the unrighteous. The righteous will be resurrected and, and they'll, they'll have glorified bodies. The unredeemed will be resurrected to face the white throne judgment. And then as they will be judged, I mean, it's going to be amazing uh, what's going to happen to them. Now, you know, uh, boy, the Lord is amazing. Uh, I got to give you one more verse because Lord just gave me another verse I need to give you. This is amazing here. Uh, this is, uh, I got to give you this because this is, this is dealing with the resurrection. Okay. Uh, I love this verse here. This is the book of Job. You know, Job understood the resurrection of God and he gives reference to uh, being dead and he talks about his body uh, being eaten by worms, but he said in the future something's going to happen. So look at this. This is Job 19 verse uh, 25 and 26. Look at verse 25. Job wrote this. He said, for I know my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Job said here, he said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. I know my Savior liveth. And he said, and, and at the latter time, at the latter day upon the earth, my Redeemer is going to stand. Look what he says. Verse 26, Job said, for, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, Job says, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Job understood the resurrection. He understood that there's coming a day that even though the worms destroyed his body and, and though his body is going back to the dust, he knows that the power of God will resurrect him and he will literally see God. Listen to what he said, verse 27. He said, whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Job understood that there's coming a day that even though he die and the worms destroy his body, yet in his flesh, Job said, I'm going to see God. I believe Job will have a, a glorified body just like the church being resurrected. Uh, all the righteous dead uh, who died uh, 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 before Christ, I believe all of them will have glorified bodies as well. Uh, so here, to answer the question, do the dead sleep forever in the graves? The answer is absolutely not. And don't let a Job witness tell you that when you die, that's it. You cease to exist. That's not true. Uh, it's, it's not true. Now, again, uh, I'm giving you some questions. All right? I'm, giving, I'm giving you some answers to questions that I receive uh, from time to time. Now, I'm going to go to another one. Now, this one here is amazing. Uh, this is an amazing question here. Uh, the question is this, and they're bringing it up on the screen for you. What are the five compartments of hell? You know, the Bible teaches different compartments of hell? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you that. I'm, I'm, uh, I want to bring my chart in first. I'm going to bring the chart in here. And uh, you see this first circle there? This first circle, I'm going to go ahead and bring it back. You see the first circle there? That first circle there is called Abraham's bosom. Uh, Abraham's bosom. Now, Abraham's bosom, if you notice too, look at the chart again, Abraham's bosom here, it's before the cross of Christ. Now, Abraham's bosom was one of the compartments of the underworld before the cross of Christ. And guess what? This is called... It was called the paradise of old. 
It was called the paradise of old. And what this was, uh, this was where the Old Testament saints uh, would go before uh, Christ paid the price. Now, uh, they were covered by the blood of the atonement, so therefore they could not go to hell. So there was an atonement that covered their lives. Moses and all the patriarchs, they were obedient to the law of God, and therefore they were covered. God protected them and he created Abraham's bosom. Now you, you get this, you find this in the gospel of Luke chapter 16, when Jesus gave the account of the rich man and Lazarus. Now, some of your Bibles in Luke 16 may call that the, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, but it's not a parable. Uh, that, that's really a, mis, uh, a mistranslation or, or mischaracterization. Uh, 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 Luke 16 is not a parable. Uh, it's an actual account of a man going to hell, the rich man, and Lazarus going to the paradise of old. And again, we know that this was a place of comfort before the cross. Now, when Jesus died on Calvary's cross, he delivered, the Bible says, captivity captive. Uh, once he paid the price, the wrath of God was appeased for all eternity. The Bible says in the temple, the, 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 the veil was rent from top to bottom, meaning that from God to man, God had made a, has made a way now for mankind to enter into his presence. The scripture says today, we the redeemed, we can boldly enter into the throne of God. That's because what Christ has done. So getting back to the question here, this first compartment was called Abraham's bosom. It was a compartment before the cross of Christ for the redeemed. Now, I want you to look at the chart again. I'm gonna bring the next compartment in. Uh, uh, if you see this next compartment here, uh, let me bring it up for you again. This compartment here, this is called, this is called Hades and Sheol. Uh, this, this is the compartment of hell today where, uh, where, the, uh, where the unredeemed go today. Uh, when a person uh, dies for his sin, uh, and he dies any sin, let me say it that way, uh, he dies and, and when, he, uh, when, he, when he dies, his, uh, his spirit and soul goes to uh, Hades and Sheol. Now he's there, we just talked earlier about his flesh is still in the earth awaiting the resurrection in the very end. So any person who's not born again at this time, when they pass into eternity, they go there and their spirit and soul is there awaiting. Now you see this, uh, I got this arrow going here. Now what, look, look at the arrow, I'm gonna show you this. Uh, anybody who dies today outside of Christ, they go to Hades and Sheol and just follow the arrow. They are there awaiting the last judgment. The Bible says those that will be resurrected, they're gonna be resurrected unto damnation. They're going to what's called uh, the the great white throne judgment. So God's going to resurrect the unredeemed. They go back into their flesh and they stand before God. So the second compartment of hell is called Hades and Sheol. Now, let me give you another one. Uh, you look at the chart. I'm bringing the chart in again and look at this next compartment. This one here is called Tartarus. And Tartarus is an amazing compartment of the underworld because here is where uh, some of the angels uh, back in Genesis that tried to cohabitate with men. The Bible says uh, uh, that they basically, they left their, uh, their habitation. Uh, uh, these principalities, what they did, they overstepped their bound and they tried to inhabit men or go into the seed of man. And God said that these angels, they overstepped their bound. So what God did, God uh, cast them immediately into this compartment of hell. In the Greek, it's called Tartarus. Uh, you find this in uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 4. Verse 4, Peter said that they were cast in hell. The Greek word there is Tartarus. Also, you find it in Jude chapter 1, verse 6. So this compartment of hell is where those fallen angels from the beginning that tried to cohabitate with men, they are there. The Bible said that they're there right now, reserved unto the judgment, meaning they reserved unto the white throne judgment. And again, they're going to be judged. Now, 
We're going a little bit further. I'm going to answer the question. Look at, look at the chart. I'm going to bring the chart in again and look at the next circle. This circle here, this one is called the bottomless pit. This is another compartment of the underworld, and there'll be some amazing things that would take place here. Uh, the Bible lets us know in Revelation uh, chapter uh, 19 uh, that the Antichrist, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 20, that Satan prior to the thousand year millennial kingdom beginning, Satan will be bound in the bottomless pit so he'll have no influence during the millennial reign of Christ. So for 1,000 years, Satan will be in the bottomless pit. For 1,000 years, uh, uh, Satan will be in that bottomless pit during Christ's kingdom reign where he will have no influence in the millennium. He'll have no influence to tempt mankind. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, you know, uh, when, you know when you look there, uh, it actually tells us, you know, let, it lets us know that Satan will be bound, so he won't, he won't, he won't deceive, you know. And I'm gonna get them to bring bring me back into the screen here. Uh, and 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 uh, so Satan will be bound during that millennial kingdom, uh, so uh, he'll be in that compartment uh, of the bottomless pit. Not only that, but uh, during the time of the trumpet judgments, uh, when the fifth angel sounds his trumpet, the Bible says that during the tribulation season. That there will be uh, these locusts that's going to come out of the bottomless pit and they're going to vex mankind upon the earth during the tribulation, the Bible says, for five months. And the Bible said that these locusts are coming from the bottomless pit, but these locusts, the Bible says, they will have the sting of a scorpion. And they will sting men with the sting of a scorpion during the tribulation. And the Bible says men will seek death, but death will not be found. God will not allow them to die for five months as he, as he vex and torment the rebels of the tribulation. But they're coming out of the bottomless pit. Revelation chapter 9. Now, let me give you the last one here. This is, uh, the, go back to the chart here, and you see this last, this last circle. This is the lake of fire. Now, this is the eternal hell. And what I mean by that, this is where everything will wind up. Uh, what I mean by that, uh, fallen angels will wind up there. Uh, unredeemed mankind will wind up in the lake of fire. And not only that, but Satan, him, Satan himself. Uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 10 says, And the devil that deceived them shall be cast into the lake of fire and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And the devil shall have no rest day nor night. Now, I must say this, saints, that... Uh, Hell was not created for mankind. You read Matthew 25, 41, the Bible says that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. It was never the will of God for mankind to go there. But when Father, Father Adam sinned, God had to accommodate the fall of man. Isaiah 5 tells us that hell have enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. God had to accommodate the sin of mankind in hell. It was never the will of God. So hell is the eternal judgment created by God. So the Bible gives us five different compartments. Different things are happening in those level, uh, compartments uh, of hell. And again, it's just, you know, we need to know that, okay? Now, I'm watching my time. My time is coming fast to a close, but I got a few more questions I'm going to answer for you. Here's the next one, and I like this one. What are, I'm going to bring it up to the screen for you. What are the three compartments of heaven? You know, the Bible gives three compartments of heaven. You know, there are some groups teach that, teach that there are nine levels of heaven, but you won't find that scripture. There are not nine levels. There's only three that the Bible gives us. Uh, the first heaven is the sky, you see, the blue sky that has the clouds and the rain. Uh, that's the first heaven. 
Uh, I give you a good verse on that one. Uh, the book of Job, chapter 35, verse number five, talks about the, the heavens and the clouds. So when you go outside and you see the beautiful cumulus clouds, you're looking into the first heaven. Give you another verse here, Psalm uh, 147, eight. It again talks about the clouds, and these clouds is where rain comes from. So that's the first heaven. When you look up in the morning, you see the beautiful sky, you, look, you see the first heaven. Now, what's the second heaven? The second heaven is the sky, I mean, is, I'm sorry, not the sky, but it's the universe. It's the stars and the moon and the Milky Way. So when you use a telescope to look beyond the sky and you look into the uh, universe, you're looking into what's called the second heaven. Uh, which comprise the sun, moon, and stars. So let me give you a few verses there. Uh, here uh, we have uh, Psalm 8, uh, verse 3, where it talks about the sun, moon, and the stars. Uh, uh, that is the, that's the second heaven, or the second level of the heavens, okay? Uh, the second heavens, all right? Now, I want to give you the last heaven, or the third heaven. Now, the third heaven is God's abode. This is where Father God reside. As a matter of fact, the scripture tells us, the apostle Paul said that he was caught up to the third heaven. He was caught up to God's abode. The Apostle Paul said, I saw things there uh, that I cannot, I cannot tell you. I saw undescribable things that I cannot tell you. You know, so he was caught up to the third heaven. So let me give you a few verses uh, talking about the throne of God. This first one here is found in Isaiah chapter 66, verse number one. And it talks about uh, heaven being God's throne. This is the third heaven or God's abode. Uh, and I love this one again, 2 Corinthians, this is Apostle Paul, chapter 12, verses uh, 2 and verse number 4. Paul again said that he was caught up to the third heaven. And I love so much that when Paul gave his description of where he was taken, he said he was caught up to the third heaven. The Bible only substantiates three heavens, the sky, the universe, and the third heaven, God's abode. There are no other heavens based on scripture. And again, so, you know, Bible prophecy and, and the scriptures answer a lot of questions uh, that people may have and, and people don't realize, uh, but these are things nonetheless that the Bible talk about. Uh, and if we spend time in the scripture, you know, God will give us understanding. You know, the Bible is so full of knowledge. You know, I, I love the word. I mean, I've learned so much about life and, and humanity and just, just everything. God has put everything in the word of God. Now, I got a few more minutes. I'm gonna give you another question. Here's one I get all the time. Brother Perkins, look at this. Brother, Brother Perkins, will the Holy Spirit be taken out of the earth when the church is raptured? Uh, I wanna bring in our chart, bring in our prophecy chart. We're gonna, we're gonna see the prophecy chart here. Now, we're, we're in what's called the church age. Uh, once this dispensation closes and we are caught up to heaven, many have been taught that once the church is raptured, the Holy Spirit will also be taken out of the earth. Now, uh, 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 I believe the Holy Spirit will be here. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit will never fully leave the earth. Now, I will say this, the main operation of the Holy Spirit that, that, that interacts with the church, because the church is gone, uh, we are suppressing the evils of this world, and once the church is gone, uh, that will happen. But the Holy Spirit, He will always be here. One reason we know that, because even during the Great Tribulation, mankind will come to Christ. People get saved. You know something, you can't get saved without the operation of the Holy Spirit. One of the Holy Spirit's jobs is to convict mankind of sin. If you're born again today, it's because the Holy Spirit's operation worked on you. He convicted you of your sin. He showed you that you were a sinner. And guess what? During the tribulation, the Holy Spirit will be here to convict men of their sins. Guess what? 
during the millennial kingdom, the thousand year reign of Christ, the Holy Spirit will convict men as well. People will get saved in, in the millennial kingdom. So the Holy Spirit, he will always be, he will not be totally taken out of the world uh, the way some have taught. And again, I must admit, I, I used to believe that uh, until I realized from scripture, you know, that the Holy Spirit's presence will always be, always be here. Mankind will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as a result of the Holy Spirit's conviction. And again, it's just amazing, you know, what the Bible uh, has to say in reference uh, to uh, what's going to happen during, during, during the time of tribulation. Now, uh, I'm watching my time. I got a few more minutes so I can give you another question. Uh, I get this question all the time. Look at, look at the screen. Will there be animals in eternity with us? Uh, I get a question like this, Brother Perkins, will my sweet little Fluffy be with me for all eternity? Uh, I mean, I get this question everywhere I go, coast to coast, internationally, it doesn't matter, wherever I go, people ask that question. People have pets and animals that they really love. And you know some God has given us animals that, that, that share the love and give their love as well. Now the question is, will there be animals in eternity? And the answer is yes. There will always be animals in eternity because that was always the will of God. As a matter of fact, when God created mankind in the very beginning, Adam and Eve, that's the pattern that, that our future is going to look like, God gave animals to mankind. As a matter of fact, Father Adam had full dominion over the animal kingdom. Not only that, the Bible tells in Genesis that Adam named all of the animals. So mankind, uh, during, the, during the eternal state, uh, animals will always be a part uh, of our future because that's how God designed it. Uh, not only that, but I get another question, Brother Perkins, uh, are there animals in heaven? Uh, I can answer that with a hearty yes, there are animals in heaven. Uh, one way we know that we find in the book of Revelation chapter 19. Uh, when Jesus comes back in the second coming with his armies, the Bible says he's coming out of heaven riding white horses. There will be he in heaven, there are horses in heaven that's awaiting the return of Christ. Not only Christ, but even the redeemed who's coming back with him. The glorified saints that will comprise the armies of heaven and, and, and will help Christ govern. The Bible said we're coming out of heaven riding upon white horses. You know, it's going to be amazing as we uh, look into the scripture. So let me just read that verse for you. I love that verse so much. This is Revelation chapter 19. And I'm going to pick up here at verse number 11. I'm answering, I'm answering the question, uh, will there be animals in heaven? And the answer is yes. Look at this, Revelation 19, verse 11, John wrote, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, a white horse, listen to that, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness doth he judge and make war. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his head was as, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Listen to this. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. This is talking about Jesus Christ coming back. The Bible says he's riding a white horse that's in heaven. Look at verse 14, John wrote, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. We're going to ride white horses as the glorified coming out of heaven with Jesus. So will there be animals in heaven? Yes. Will there be animals in the millennium? Yes. Will there be animals in the eternal state? Yes. That was always the will of God. Mankind will experience uh, his animals during that time. Now, whether you have the same fluffy you had here, uh, the Bible doesn't, doesn't really tell us that. But I believe if you, if you had a, a German shepherd that you love, I believe you can have a German shepherd in the millennium and even in the eternal state. 
Now we might get scriptures on that one too, but anyway, I believe we will have animals forever because that's the will of God. That, that, this is what, this is what God, God has purposed uh, for mankind uh, uh, in, uh, in the future. So again, the Bible answers a lot of questions uh, that, that mankind don't, uh, don't realize that's actually in, in the scripture. Now, uh, I got a little more time here, so I'm gonna give you another question. Uh, here's a question, I'll pull up on the screen here. What is the judgment seat of Christ? Now from here, I'm gonna pull up my, our chart. Again, we're here in the church age. We will be raptured to, uh, uh, to, to heaven. And then from the rapture, we're going to what's called the, the uh, judgment seat of Christ. Now the judgment seat of Christ, let me explain it. The judgment seat of Christ will be the judgment of the redeemed. If you're born again today, you will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible tells us that every believer will give an account for his work before God. The Bible lets us know that the, that the, that the Christian can obtain five rewards or crowns uh, at that judgment seat. What you do will stand in heaven. Now the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment of condemnation even though some Christians may lose rewards you will not lose your uh, salvation. Uh, the judgment seat of Christ is not that kind of judgment. Uh, pull up the chart, I'm gonna show you again. Uh, at the judgment seat of Christ, this is where Christians will go. Now on the other side, this is the great white throne judgment. This is where the unredeemed will go. Now everybody at the white throne will be eternally uh, damned. They will be cast into the lake of fire. But those redeemed that are at the judgment seat of Christ, they'll either obtain rewards or some would even lose rewards. But uh, this, is a, this is a judgment in heaven that is exclusive to the redeemed. And again, only the righteous will appear at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, I'm going to that judgment seat and I wanna, I'm, I'm going for the crowns. And the reason why I'm going for the crowns is because I want to be able to, to give those crowns back to the Savior. Now, it's been an honor. It's been a privilege uh, to stand in Pastor Tom's uh, stead in regards to hope for our times. And what I want to do here, uh, he asked me to, to bring some of our materials here, and uh, uh, I, I want to bring a few of those things into the screen here. Uh, we have a number of materials. Uh, I'm going to pull up on the screen here. Uh, I have a number of DVDs that you can go to our website and find. We're doing a series now entitled Understanding the Book of Revelation. And again, this is an amazing uh, study. It's a verse-by-verse -verse study of the Book of Revelation. You can go to our website and pick it up. We also have it, uh, have it in a uh, USB format. Uh, we also have a series there called uh, Bible Prophecy, God's Order of Events. And we, what we do there, uh, we give you a good foundational teaching of Bible prophecy. Uh, and then again, we have that there uh, as well. Another thing we have uh, at the site is a, a book we call, a booklet we call Bible Prophecy, God's Order of Events. Again, it's a wonderful teaching, a good introductory study of Bible prophecy. In the back of the chart, we actually have our dispensational chart there. Uh, you can get this chart, the chart I've just used right now. It's a chart of time. Uh, we have it there on the site. And I'm introducing today, uh, we now have our prophecy chart, Bible prophecy, God's order of events in Spanish. So you can go to our website and receive, uh, get the Spanish chart there. Uh, I have a lot of uh, Spanish pastors have been asking me, Brother Perkins, can we get that chart in Spanish? Well, now we have it for you in Spanish. And again, you know, it's just been an honor and a privilege, you know, to be here uh, in, in Pastor Tom's uh, stead. Uh, let me do one other thing. I'm gonna give you our website right quick. Uh, we have a website, uh, it's www.according.com the number two, prophecy.org. And you can go to our website. We have a lot of things there. We have Facebook, we have Twitter, 
We have Parlor, that's another one there. Uh, we're part of the Truly Family Entertainment Network. We have our official YouTube site, and we have our official program, Your Future in Bible Prophecy, on his channel uh, network. You can go to all of those. But again, it's been an honor and a privilege to be here today with, with, with you all. And again, I hope we've said something that has blessed you, have even answered some of your questions, and may have even stirred up some others. So God bless, and again, we thank you for allowing us to be with you today. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.